welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We look at Hosea chapter 12. Ephraim feeds on the wind and pursues the east wind all day long. They multiply falsehood and violence. They make a covenant with Assyria and oil is carried to Egypt. Yahweh has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will repay him according to his deeds. In the womb he took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel, and there God spoke with us. Yahweh, the God of hosts. Yahweh is his memorial name. So you, by the help of your God, return. Hold fast to love and justice and wait continually for your God. A merchant in whose hands are false balances, he loves to oppress. Ephraim has said, Ah, but I am rich. I have found wealth for myself. In all my labors they cannot find in me iniquity or sin. I am Yahweh your God from the land of Egypt. I will again make you dwell in tents as in the days of the appointed feast. I spoke to the prophets. It was I who multiplied visions, and through the prophets gave parables. If there is iniquity in Gilead, they shall surely come to nothing. In Gilgal they sacrifice bulls. Their altars also are like stone heaps on the furrows of the field. Jacob fled to the land of Aram. There Israel served for a wife, and for a wife he guarded sheep. By a prophet Yahweh brought Israel up from Egypt, and by a prophet he was guarded. Ephraim has given bitter provocation, so his lord will leave his blood guilt on him, and will repay him for his disgraceful deeds. This is the word of the Lord. So we start with an indictment in verse 1, and an indictment is a criminal charge that really has supporting evidence to go with it. So God has the charge and the evidence against Judah and Jacob for the evil things that they have done, how they have sinned against him. And he is going to repay them according to their deeds. That's a question we could talk about in our families. Do we want God to repay us according to our deeds? And in many of our homes, that will be a simple no answer. We don't. We know that we have sinned against God. We, We would rather have Christ's forgiveness. But in so much of the history of the church, this has been the idea that there is a struggle between how many good deeds that you do and how many bad deeds that you do. And and in a sense, many people have thought in the years of the church that this is exactly what God is going to do. He's going to judge us according to our deeds. And so our deeds, our good deeds, have to outweigh, outmeasure our, our bad deeds. And honestly, a a view of salvation like that is only despairing as you can never be certain you can never know that you've done enough there's no scale in this life that you can look at it would be overwhelming it would not be good we get a lot of history in this chapter a lot of history of the nation of god's people of of israel going back to the the Israel, to Jacob, who gets renamed Israel. Uh, So 
In verse 3, you have the reference to him taking his brother by the heel. That's where his name comes from. His name literally, Jacob, meaning uh, the one who deceives, is, is a reference to him at birth as his twin brother Esau was there and Jacob is grasping at his heel. One who grasps the heel is a Hebrew idiom for deception. And so that's there from Genesis 25. In his manhood, he strove with God and he strove with the angel and prevailed. This is Genesis chapter 32. And Jacob wrestles with God. You can read that one. He meets God at Bethel. That's Genesis chapter 28. There God speaks with us. So here Hosea is applying that more broadly to the whole of God's people rather than just Jacob. And then verse 5, we get the name of God, Yahweh, the God of armies. The Old Testament commonly heard name of God. Yahweh is his memorial name. And that's something that you will see primarily in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, um, that it's his memorial name. I think that one's coming from later in the book. Yeah, that's Exodus chapter 15 that you're going to see that idea. But it's, it's even in 3 as well. So God tells Moses when he's getting ready to send Moses to Pharaoh, Moses asks, who should I tell the people sent me? And God tells him, I am who I am. Ehweh, Asher, Ehweh in Hebrew. I am who I am. And then he tells Moses, to say to Israel, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And this is the this is the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. Yahweh is his memorial name. It's the name by which he is to be remembered. And it means simply he is in Hebrew. So this is the divine name given to us. To remember him by, to call him by. Verse 6 is a call to repentance, that we would return to God, we would repent, we would trust in him, we would hold fast to love, justice, the things of God, and we would wait continually for our God, which is a reference to the Messiah coming. And we still wait continually for our God today as we wait for Jesus to come again for the second time. Verse 7, false balances. If your children don't know this one, uh, show them a balance. If you, can, if you have one, that's great. Uh, you can show them how a balance works. If you don't have one of these, uh, pull it up on the internet. I mean, what you're looking for is a picture of the, the two metal trays where you, you could balance things against one another to see if they're equal or not. And this is the way that in many cultures in the past they would make business transactions and you could rig your balance. You could mess with the, the actual mechanism of the balancing to throw it off so that the weights would work in your favor. So if you were the merchant selling, the scale would tip slightly the other way. So you would put as you put, you know, whatever it is that you're trading on, you're trading, giving up on one side and whatever they're giving you on the other side. 
you want theirs, what they give up to be in your favor. I'm trying to think in my mind and visualize how that works. Um, which side that means you would tilt downward. So I think you would have to You would have to tilt your side downward so that when they put their stuff on it, it 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 takes more to balance it out. I think that's the way that would work if I visualize that correctly. But regardless, um, this is a method of stealing, and that's the picture that's being put before us. So another one of the sins that the people of Israel are committing. Verse eight. Ephraim in his pride, saying that he has done this for himself. Verse 9. God is going to remind Israel of his power here, but it's different than what he says, just a little different than what he said in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. So Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments actually begin with God saying, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So you have the idea that God brought them out, and you also have the reminder that they were slaves there. So Exodus 20 begins, the Ten Commandments, the giving of the law, begins with the, the gospel, really, who God is and what he's done for them, that he has rescued them, that he has saved them. Here, even though so many of the words are identical, to Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. A few key words are missing. What God has done is missing, that he saved them, because currently he's not in the process of saving them. In fact, it's the opposite. And the reference to slavery is missing, because they're not being redeemed out of their slavery. Instead, here, God is reminding them of his power and suggesting that if they don't repent, that he can do to them what he did to the Egyptians. He has the might. He has the power to do so. And then also in verse 9, I will make you again dwell in tents. Like their years in the wilderness wandering around, those 40 years, they lived in tents. They didn't have a home. They weren't settled in. Uh, and they have the Feast of Booths for seven days every year to remind them of, of that part of their history. And so that they recall what God has done for them, but also the, the depth of their sin. So they dwelled in tents because they sinned against God. That's why they had to wander for 40 years instead of going straight to the promised land. And then now they will... They are being threatened with dwelling in tents again because of their sin. Verse 10, God speaks to his people through his prophets. So he adds to the prophets. He does it again and again. And you have the mention of parables, which is interesting. You don't talk about parables too much in the Old Testament. You can ask your children what parables they remember. Most likely, these are just going to be parables of Jesus, and that's okay. That's good. Um, we want to talk about the parables of Jesus when we get the opportunity to. So see if there's any they recall. See if there's any that you can recall and kind of think those through. Verse 11, if there is any iniquity in Gilead, which there is, then they shall surely come to nothing. 
which they will, in reference to God's judgment there. Um, they make stone heaps in the fields. Their altars are like stone heaps in the fields. So you can picture the the farmer, the one who works the ground, digging up all the chunks of rock out of his land and just making piles and making many, many piles as he finds lots of rock. And so were their altars. They were numerous and they were large. Um, really end up being a blight to God as, as he would see them. They're an insult to his, his sight. Jacob is brought back into the picture again in verse 12. Um, Genesis chapter 29 in view here. Uh, his marriage to both Leah and to Rachel is mentioned. As is his being a sheep, a shepherd, a keeper of sheep at the end of that verse, which is interestingly then paired in verse 13 with God being the shepherd of his people, more specifically Moses, um, but God working through Moses. So Jacob is the shepherd in 12, shepherding his, shepherding to earn a bride. God is the shepherd in 13 in order to redeem his bride and to bring her back to himself. So there is a connection between those two verses with those words. Uh, Moses is definitely the prophet in mind in verse 13 even though we don't normally call him a prophet every every now and again we see a word like that attached attached to him and then verse 14 keeping with this shepherd image and sheep i mean imagine the sheep tearing apart their shepherd right ephraim has provoked god's wrath as god was caring for ephraim ephraim was too busy fighting back. And, and really, this is what happens with Jesus when he comes. The, the good shepherd comes to save his sheep, and his sheep kill him. So that picture connects there as well. The Lord will repay him for his disgraceful deeds. We rejoice that we indeed have a good shepherd, and that he has called us to be his bride. 